You may be seated. As you're being seated, if you'll find your Bible, we're going to be in Philippians chapter 4 today and Matthew chapter 6. We're in this series called Look Up, and one of the fun things that we've been doing in this series is inviting people to submit pictures that inspire us to look up. If you have a picture that you've taken that inspires us to look up, you can email that to office at murphychurch.com. And every week we pick one to be the sermon logo. This one was submitted by Mark Hamlet, and it's of a little church somewhere just north of Dallas. I can't really figure out exactly where the church is. You may recognize it. Uh, But there's two rainbows within the picture, and Mark actually lives just on the other side of the church parking lot and, and he got that picture uh, not long ago. I thought it was a very stunning picture of our church and certainly inspires us and reminds us to look up. I remember whenever I was a student minister, we were at a winter camp, and some of the young men in my youth group, they decided that they were going to go on a midnight boat ride. The camp had these boats that they would keep out there for the kids to use during the day, and so they were breaking the rules, they weren't supposed to do this, but they got the boats out, and they got out into the lake, and they were just a few feet out into the lake whenever they discovered that the camp had a way of keeping people from taking midnight boat rides. They would take the plugs out of the bottom of the boat, and so they're 20 feet offshore, and they realize that their boat is taking on water at an alarming rate, and they obviously turn around and and come back. You know, one of the biggest holes in most of our lives that causes our lives to take on water is the hole of worry. Worry can steal your joy. Worry can cripple your potential. Worry punishes your body. And it can pull the plug on the Holy Spirit's work in your life. And yet at the same time, almost everybody in this room today, at some level, you struggle with worry. In fact, as we get the ball rolling on this subject, let's just take about 10 seconds, if you will, and talk to the person sitting next to you and share with them one or two things in your life that might tempt you to worry. Ready? Go. One or two things in your life that might tempt you to worry. All right. Well, let me share a couple of passages of Scripture with you. The first is from the book of Philippians. We introduced this last week. Paul says, don't worry about anything, but in everything, through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses every thought, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Over in Matthew chapter 6, this is part of the Sermon on the Mount. This is Jesus teaching us. He says, this is why I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Isn't life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the sky. They don't sow or reap or gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you worth much more than they? Can any of you add a single cubit to his height by worrying? And why do you worry about clothes? 
Learn how the wildflowers of the field grow. They don't labor or spin thread, and yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was adorned like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and thrown into the furnace tomorrow, won't he do much more for you, you of little faith? So don't worry saying, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear? For the idolaters eagerly seek all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be provided for you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Now, the Bible didn't say here to give up and not care anymore. One of the things that I worry about whenever I'm speaking on worry is that uh, someone will take this and they'll kind of say, Hey, Dad, did you hear Pastor Lash say not to worry anymore? You like got it from the Bible. So I'm not going to school anymore. I'm just going to give up. You know, that's not what we're talking about here. That's not what the Bible's after. The, the Bible also didn't say that you can't make plans for the future. It didn't say that you don't plan for retirement or you don't plan to pay your taxes or various things. You can make plans. What the Bible does clearly teach us is that we're not to be consumed. We are not to worry. There's a lot of side effects that go along with worry. Whenever I worry, it steals my laughter. Think back in a time in your life where you used to laugh more. A lot of times as the worries of life creep in, it steals the joy, it steals the fun and the laughter from our lives. I'm thankful for Paul. One of the things that I love about Paul Reed is that he laughs. He just he hasn't forgotten. He's laughing right now whenever I say that. He, he laughs. I see people uh, every Sunday when you come in here, and I can kind of tell the ebb and flow of the year. And right now, you're a few weeks into school, and you're starting to get tired. The holidays haven't really hit yet. And so you're kind of in one of those lulls during the course of the year. And I see people, they, they lose their laughter as the worries of life begin to creep up upon them. Worry hurts my relationships. Whenever I worry all the time, I'm afraid to get close to people. I'm afraid somebody's going to hurt me again. And so I isolate myself and I I consider myself uh, a loner and I, I build a wall around me. Worry keeps me from adventure. It causes me to to just value security at the expense sometimes of actually living. And you don't have to go out there and be Bear grills. You don't have to live on the glacier and always be uh, risking your life. But at the same time, uh, there's some spice of life to be enjoyed, and there's adventure to be enjoyed, and yet worry can steal that. Worry steals my today. When I'm consumed with worry, I think about what has happened in the past, and I worry over that. And then I think about what might happen in the future, and I worry over that. And in the process of all this worry, I don't actually enjoy the today that I have, and really this is the only moment that you truly have today. Worry can keep me from growing closer to God. You see, worry 
works against faith. And we're going to talk about that in detail later on here. But your worry works against faith. And so whenever you are worrying all the time, it will actually inhibit, it will be a boundary to your spiritual growth. So Paul makes an extraordinary statement. He says, don't worry about anything. Now you say, that's easy for Paul to say. After all, he's the Apostle Paul. I mean, of course, a guy like Paul can say, don't worry about anything, but he doesn't live my life. He doesn't know what I go through. And, and you might be right. Maybe your, your life is very, very difficult, and it's a lot tougher than the Apostle Paul's life ever dreamed of being. But keep in mind where Paul was whenever he wrote this. He's in jail. He doesn't know if he has tomorrow. He doesn't know if he might be beheaded. I mean, that's something to kind of worry about. And he writes to us in that circumstance, don't worry about anything. Now, I have a practical goal for the message today, and and we're not going to swim the depths of theology today. We've been doing that on Wednesday night. Today, I want to be very practical with you and talk to you about this subject of worry. And my goal is that you will leave here today less worried and that you will also leave here today better equipped to deal with the concerns in your life in a biblical way, that your faith will be growing instead of your worry be growing. Because the reality is that everyone, everyone in this room, at some level, you wrestle with worry. The concerns are real. I actually had a tough week this week when it comes to worry. I I was walking the dog the other night, and I thought to myself, why am I nervous? Why do I just feel worried and and concerned? It's kind of been this way all week. And it dawned on me, hey, you're preaching on worry this week. There's this thing called spiritual warfare. And I think that that as the preacher, I I was under attack, that the the enemy was, was trying to get me to be worried about the circumstances in my life because that would be an inhibitor to me speaking to you on this subject today. So we all worry. We all struggle in this area, and we all have a a worry style. Some of you in here today are professional worriers. In fact, a few of you might even admit, yeah, I'm a professional worrier. Now, here's what we do within our culture. We tend to connect worry with love. And so we see worry as our expression of how we love someone. I mean, we've all experienced this from maybe your mom, maybe an aunt, somebody that loved you, where they say, the reason that I worry so much is because I love you, okay? If I didn't love you, I wouldn't worry so much, okay? We've all experienced that, right? Now, what you have to understand, though, is that worry is not a healthy way to express your love. And we're going to talk about the passage in just a few moments about what is the healthy way to express your love. In our culture, worry is synonymous with love. As Christians, we have to move beyond that cultural dynamic and understand that God has given us a much healthier vehicle to deal with the concerns in our life. Some of you, when it comes to worry, you're the, it's all good guy. I don't have any worries. What do you mean? Hakuna Matata, life is good. There's nothing to worry about. You know, smile, don't be worried. Now, if if that's your natural worry style, 
there, there are three possible realities at work here. Number one, you may not be bright enough <laughs> to see that there's things that you should worry about. And so, you know, you're just kind of, oh, I should worry about that. Uh, I'll go play Xbox. You, know. you might be in denial. And so your strategy over time has just become to ignore your problems or let's give you some credit here. Maybe you really do have a good handle on this and, and worry is not really a big concern in your life. You've really learned to deal with your worries in faith. A few of you in here are probably worrynators. When it comes to worry, your conflict style is I must destroy it. Okay, I will run over. I will destroy worry when it comes across my path. And so through sheer human strength, everybody else just needs to leave me alone. I will deal with it because I am capable, I'm strong enough, I can handle it. And often, at best, you become a micromanager, and at worst, you become a control maniac. And the little secret is that you're making everybody around you a a nervous wreck, trying to run over worry. Now, here's the illusion of worry. The illusion of worry is this, that my anxiety will disappear when my problems disappear. That's what we sell ourselves. I won't have worries if only I can make these problems disappear. Now, I've got good news for you. One day, your problems will all go away. One day, all these problems that you're worried about, they will go away. But I also have bad news. That's the day you die, okay? You're always going, okay, to the theologians, the eschatological theologians in the room, it could be that the day that the Lord comes back, all right? But one day, they'll go away. Jesus, though, said each day has its own set of problems, You live in a sin-saturated world. You're a sinner yourself. The people around you have a sin nature. And because of that, we will always be dealing with problems. Problems will come and go in your life. But for many of us, worry will remain. Problems are not the root cause of your worry. You say, well, Ash, what, what is the root cause of my worry? The ladies say, I know my husband. He's the root cause of my worry, right? Well, no, let's dig a little bit deeper, ladies, okay? Several things that become root causes in our our worry. Some of you guys are like, that wasn't fair, man. I thought Lash was on my side. What's all that about? Too much awareness. Now, I've, I've been thinking a lot on this, and it's been creeping into my sermons a little bit, but I think that humankind is still adjusting to the Google age. We live in this time period where uh, we have like George Jetson type devices in our, in our phones. And so we have so much information coming our way all the time. Uh, in past millennia, you might read a story, hear from a messenger, see it one time on the news, but today we are getting flooded with it. And so there's just a massive amount of information coming our way, and we're still adjusting as people as to how to deal with this information overload. Now, don't hear me wrongly. I'm not suggesting 
that you don't keep up with world events. I think it's healthy to know what's going on in the world and, and to be aware of the world around you. We're not going to build a commune and move somewhere as a church or anything weird like that, okay? But, but at the same time, we have to learn how to control the flow of information into our lives because if we don't control that, it will eventually control us. And a lot of us are being controlled by information overload and it's leading us to constantly be worried about things. A second thing, fear of fear. We're afraid of what might happen. We don't know it's going to happen, but we're afraid that it might happen. Last weekend, my daughter fell off the back of the couch, and she landed on her arm, and, and she wound up breaking her arm up here. It was on Friday night. Stacy and I were out on a date, so when we got home, she was in bed, and on Saturday, she's like, I think I'm okay. It's good. And so we went through Saturday, and we kind of noticed that, that she wasn't using her arm. Sunday, she's like, it's feeling better, despite the fact that it was turning purple and swelling. So we were like, okay, you've got to go get an x-ray. I realize you're tough but you got to go get an x-ray. And she's like, no, I don't need an x-ray. See, my arm is fine. Ah, yeah, it's great, Dad. And I was like, no, you got to I do not want an x-ray. So we're like, it's very simple. All they do is they take a picture of your arm. That, that's all it is. In fact, I took out my phone and I took a picture of her arm. I said, see, that, that didn't hurt you. It's easy. She said to me, she said, you, you guys make it sound so easy, but in my head, it's really scary. She did survive the x-ray, and she has a cast. So if you see it, tell her, hey, cool cast, kid. She gets it off in a few weeks. She'll be fine. But I thought to myself as a dad, she was wrestling with the fear of fear. The real event, whenever she was through, she said, that wasn't bad at all. I said, I told you it wasn't going to be that bad. But in her mind, it was going to be horrible. And a lot of times, we wrestle with the fear of of fear. And when we actually face that which we're scared about, it's really not that bad. But the fear of fear will tie you up in knots. Lack of control. There's so little in our life that we really have control over. And so much that we have zero influence upon. And that lack of control causes us to worry. Spiritual warfare. The enemy knows that if he can get you consumed with worry, that you're going to be moving in the opposite direction of faith. And so the enemy is going to do everything he can to make you a worry wart because the more your worry grows, the more your faith diminishes. And in spiritual warfare, we become tempted to worry. Now, the Bible gives us some practical solutions to deal with the worry in our lives. The Bible doesn't ignore the fact that you have worry. The Bible doesn't teach, hey, you know, following Jesus is just going to make you healthy and wealthy. In fact, Scripture teaches over and over again that following Jesus is going to take you down some difficult paths. But whenever you find yourself concerned, filled with anxiety, the Scriptures teach to bring our worries to God in prayer. Go back to verse 6 again in Philippians chapter 4. Do not worry about anything. Don't worry about anything, but in everything. See the contrast? Do not worry about anything, but in everything 
through prayer and petition with a heart of thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. So we have a prohibition here. We're not to worry about anything. And yet at the same time, we are granted a radical freedom. We can pray about everything. Everything. All that stuff that you're worrying about, the scriptures say, lay the worry aside and instead start praying about those things. So going back to our illustration earlier of connecting worry with love. Worry is the unhealthy expression of our love for others. Prayer is the healthy expression. Instead of worrying about the circumstances, we pray about the circumstances. We pray for God's blessing and for wisdom to be in the life of our children. We pray for our kids and we lift them up in prayer. Now, a lot of times we don't pray because we think to ourselves, well, what I'm worried about isn't really very spiritual. You know, God, he's busy. He's got a full schedule being God and everything. And so I don't want to bother God with these trivial matters. And so we just hang on to them ourselves because we're afraid to bring those matters to God. Well, the scriptures say, bring them on. Everything that you're worried about, don't worry about anything, but in everything, pray. You don't pray to God as the person you ought to be. You pray to God as the person you are. God knows who you are. You can't fake God out in prayer. Oh, Heavenly Father, I have no problems and my life is great and I come before you today thankful that you hung the stars in the universe and as I was reading the book of Job in its entirety this morning, I understood. God's like, you didn't read Job. You were sleeping in the easy chair, okay? I know you. I, I, knit, I knew you before you were born. I know you today. I even know you in tomorrow. You can't fake me out. God says, come to me. Bring everything to me. Abide in me. Pray to me as you are. Instead of worrying about the matter, pray about the matter. Perhaps the greatest example of this is Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. He comes to the garden. uh, The cross is looming. And he comes to the garden deeply distressed And he goes into the garden, he prays to his heavenly father, Abba, the domestic term for God. Abba, all things are possible with you. Take this cup from me. There was his request, take this cup from me. And then there was a yielding. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. He repeated the process. He went back to his friends looking for strength from them and found them sleeping. So once again, he goes back into the garden and again he prays, Abba, Father, all things are possible with you. Take this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. And we see the example in God's own son that whenever he was tempted with distress and anxiety and worry, he reacted to that temptation in prayer. Look up and take the worries to God. Secondly, replace your worry with faith. Replace your worry with faith. On your computer, you probably have a program called Pages if you're an Apple guy or Word if 
God forbid you're a Microsoft guy. Uh, you still have, I'm kidding, I'm kidding, it's all right. One of these days you'll get up with the times. But um, you, you have one of those word processors on your computer. And have you ever found the feature called Find and Replace? It's a wonderful little feature. If you haven't ever found it, it's great. You, you just search for a word in your document, and it finds everywhere you use that word. And then you hit Replace, and it will replace it every time that you used it. It's great for you single guys. A girl breaks your heart, you just go back to the old love letters that she wrote to the other girl, and you say, find her name and replace it with a new girl. And it works. I mean, you can just recycle the love letters. Now, I couldn't do that back in my day and time because we didn't have find and replace. We had liquid paper. And it was pretty obvious whenever you'd like, uh, cross her name out and put the new, it didn't quite work as well. But <laughs> what I'm getting at here is that when it comes to worry, we have to do the find and replace. We replace worry in our life with faith. God says to us, he invites us, think about this, the God of the universe says, come to me with your needs, come to me with your concerns. God says, come to me and I will fill you with faith. Now at first it might be very difficult for you. You're so used to worrying, you're so used to being consumed with these things that, that you're, you're just programmed to handle these things on your own. But God says, give it to me. Come to me. Jesus said, your heart must not be troubled. What was the antidote for it? Believe in God. Believe also in me. The antidote to worry is faith. Whenever we draw near to God in prayer, what he begins doing is building our faith. So often, whenever we think of prayer, we think of it in terms of, did it work or did it not? And we come to prayer with this mindset of, here's my problem, I'm bringing it to God. And so if God takes away my problem, then my prayer worked. But if God doesn't take away my problem, then my prayer didn't work. And so we bring a problem to God, the problem still exists, so we make the determination in our mind that prayer doesn't work. But we can't talk badly about prayer because it's prayer. So we start outsourcing prayer to other people because we think, I don't have a good connection, but boy, that grandmother over there, she has a good connection. So we try to get her to pray on our behalf. We don't talk badly about prayer. We just don't do it. And what we fail to realize is that in prayer, God molds us, God shapes us, God strengthens us, God abides with us, he fills us with his presence, and he grows within us faith, and he drains worry and concern from our soul. You don't put your faith in yourself. Your faith is not in some blind hope. Your faith is in the one who created it all. Your faith is in the one who designs you. Your faith is in the one who sent his son to die for you because of his great love for you. Your faith is in the one who holds history in his hand. And that God says, come to me, trust me, find your strength in me. I want to grow you. I want to mature you. And the very problem that you're worried about, I can use in your life to make you a stronger reflection of me. Verse 7 says, the peace of God. The peace of God. Not the absence of conflict. The peace even within the conflict. The peace of God 
which surpasses every thought, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. When I look up to God, quit worrying about the matter, start praying about the matter, draw near to Him, He begins to fill me with faith, and there is a peace that I cannot explain It goes beyond my comprehension. It goes beyond these thoughts that hold me captive. It guards my heart and my mind because I am abiding, not wallowing in my own problems. I'm abiding in the goodness of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Remember in the verses preceding us, preceding this, Paul said, Rejoice in the Lord. I am finding joy because I am positioned eternally in Christ and God is loving me in Christ. So no matter the concern, I can go forward. My faith is growing. I, will, I have hope because I'm in Christ. In my mind, I imagine it to be a cool night. The moonlight is flickering through the olive branches. The torches of Fort Antonia glistening off the gold of the temple, illuminating the west. And Jesus arrives at the fragrant garden known as Gethsemane. His heart is overflowing with concern and pain. In less than 12 hours, he would be nailed to a cross. Before the sun would set again, he would be dead. And there in his trial, there in his worry and concern, he models for us real life. His humanity gushing forth. He prays before his father. And he says to him, Lord, all things are possible with you. Here is my problem. Take this cup from me. But nevertheless, I bend my will to yours. And in the course of that prayer, he replaced worry with faith. God changed his demeanor. God strengthened his soul. And whenever he left the garden, he left ready to face the cross because he had a peace that surpassed all understanding. Would you be so kind as to stand with me, please, as we bow our heads and we come to a time of commitment. I realize that a lot of you brought some real worries with you into the room today, and I I hope that you understand that I am not minimizing the concerns of life. They're real. We all wrestle with them. But what I'm inviting you to do is to pray. To bring them to God. To find strength from Him instead of trying to find strength apart from Him. And I invite you even during this next song to pray. Our altar up here at the front is open and you can come and kneel here. Maybe you want to kneel at your seat and spend some time talking to God while others are singing. Maybe there's somebody from your life group, somebody that you know that's going through a hard time that you just want to go and pray with. There's freedom to do that. It could be that today you need to take that initial step of faith and embrace Christ as your Lord and Savior. I would love to talk with you about that. I'm here at the front I'll be here after the service. I'd love to talk to you about what it means to put your faith in Christ. Heavenly Father, we bring this matter before you today. And there is a corporate problem here. We all suffer with it. 
We all worry. And Lord, we're all tempted to take our problems and run towards self-sufficiency and think that we can handle everything. In the process, many of us come before you today overwhelmed. Our lives are so full and yet our souls are so empty. And we've been trying to be demigods that run around playing a role that ultimately belongs to you. And so, Lord, we come into these doors on this Sunday to worship you. And as we do, we're reminded from your word that we're not supposed to be you, that we're not supposed to worry. And so, Lord, we pray that you might drain the worry from our soul. And instead, Lord, may we learn to draw near to you, to abide in you, to rejoice in you, to bring our our prayers, our concerns to you. Help us, Lord, every day, every moment of our life rejoice in you. And Lord, we pray that you might fill us with faith. And Lord, even these things that we're going through that tempt us to to abandon the faith and and to take matters into our own hands, Lord, may you use those concerns to grow us in the faith so that we might reflect you more clearly to those that are around us so that the love that we might that we have for you will be seen and known by our family by the community and the love that your people have for you might be known to all nations and that we will have the joy of seeing you do things that we could never do lord even now we look forward to the day when our blessed hope in you is totally fulfilled and we stand face to face with you. There's no more pain, no more suffering. We abide with you for all eternity in heaven. And we thank you for the life that you've given us. It's in Jesus' name we pray and worship. Amen.